Hello and welcome to Talk Derby to me, I'm Blake Fallows on East Midlands Derby weekend. Uh, we thought we'd catch up with somebody who's had an impact on the on the fixture over the years, Paul Pesky Salido. Scored the, the very famous goal in the East Midlands Derby 4-2 win in 2004. Um, before we catch up with Paul, I uh, just want to say thank you as ever to SMJ Brady, Connect Red Telecommunications and Elite Football Development. You can go and find all their details on our websites and on our social media. Go and check them out because they've supported us. So thank you to all of them. Let's get going then with uh, Derby County legend Paul Pesky Salido. Paul, thank you. Thank you very much for, for joining us this morning. Uh, how are you, first of all? How's, how are you doing all these uh, difficult times? Um, well, it's, it's pretty boring, uh, but at least we've got football back on the TV and I've been fortunate that uh, I've been able to go to some of the West Ham games uh, with Karen, as, as she's obviously um, one of the board members. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's difficult times, but, you know, I'm doing probably better, better than most. What's, what is life at the minute for you football-wise? Are you still involved with the game? Um, I'm still, I still do bits and pieces within the game. Um, I've recently, uh, prior to lockdown, I was, um, I was working with Centerpoint, which is a homeless charity, and uh, I was running a football program with them. And I was meant to be managing the homeless World Cup uh, England team in the World Cup in Finland. That was meant to have happened in June. So I was putting together a squad and we were training um, at Arsenal and Chelsea um, twice a week. Uh, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, that's all been put on a hold and uh, it's really unfortunate. But um, I was enjoying it. It was lots of fun. And um, hopefully once this is all over, we can resume and start, up, start, start on again. Going, going right back to the start, football-wise, how, how did you first get involved? Can you remember your earliest memories of playing football and, and get involved, obviously, in Canada at the time? Yeah, I was literally put in, in football because my mum said I was a loner and I didn't like to mix with, with kids. So uh, she forced me to play. My dad, uh, my dad, my, both my parents are Italian. My dad had played football um, in Italy. Um, unfortunately, he, he blew his knee out in, a, in, a, in an era when there was no recovery from it. But apparently he was quite good. But, um, but it was actually my mom who put me into it just because I was lonely or I was a loner, so to speak. And um, from the first, first minute I was, I was put on that pitch, I cried and didn't want to be there. As soon as the ball was brought out, I must have scored about five goals just in the little five-a-side that we were doing. And I loved it from that minute on and uh, progressed, progressed, progressed. And here I am today. And natural then? I think it was, yeah. I, I remember my mom and dad telling me that um, when I was like seven and eight years old, parents were starting to get annoyed. They were like, well, like, this is not fun because I would get the ball and just run through and score at will. And um, they're like, this is, this is rubbing. My parents are like, well, he's eight. What do you want us to do? Like, put him under 20 like it's ridiculous so it, it was meant to be fun but I don't think my parents enjoyed it because they got a lot of criticism for uh, the rest of the kids not really touching the ball much I think I was a bit greedy back then as well so in, in Canada what's the the setup like there as opposed to England? is it like academies how do you get through to become professional well back back when I did it there wasn't back when I did it our um we have um kind of leagues set up uh, based on geography and um, it was quite competitive in, in Toronto Scarborough where I was from it was a very competitive um, league and I was fortunate that at the age of 14 
the the under 16 World Cup was to be held in Toronto. So as we were hosting it, we had to have a team. Um, we had to select a team, a Canadian under 16 team, of which I was chosen for that. So you're right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm doing a Zoom call. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so I was chosen for the under 16 group to represent Canada in the World Cup. So that's what kept me involved in it. And, uh, <laughs> really? How do I support you doing now? No, I can. I'm set up here now. Anyway, sorry about that. Right. Um, where was I? Yeah, so I was, I was chosen for that. So that's what kept me involved. Because what happens in Canada is at the age of six, six, 16, 17, there was real no, there was not really a professional league going. So in order to pursue football, you either had to go abroad or you would um, use it um, for education purposes. So you'd go to um, the U.S. on a scholarship. I can't do that. I'm trying to do this. Sorry about this. So I don't worry. Trying to talk. Anyway, so because of that, I was able to. Um, stay in the program. Then I was, once I was involved with the Canadian program, that was it. Mm. I, I was involved in the under 16 World Cup, <coughs> under 18s, then the Olympic program. So throughout that, and then actually in, I think 96 or 97, I think the, the Canadian Soccer League started. Uh, again, I was only a young kid. I was going to school and I was, um, I was drafted by the Toronto Blizzards to play for them in the CSL which was a new, a new league, um, a new league founded league, which was coast to coast. It was, it was good. You know, it was, it was competitive. Again, you have better coaching, you'd have better opposition. And I uh, managed to have Tony Taylor, who was the coach of Toronto Blizzard. And that's where my opportunity of England came along because Tony Taylor moved to Birmingham city. Uh, he became a coach at, at Birmingham city with, um, with um, Terry Cooper. And he recommended me to Terry Cooper and I went on a trial and it worked out and I stayed here ever since. Was, was that a big decision to make? Because obviously a long way to, to come over to England or was it always, if England came calling football-wise? Well, they... well I, always, I always wanted to be a footballer. That's all I ever wanted to do. Um, I, had, I was at Juventus as a 16-year-old, the, um, the Primavera, so the equivalent to the academy. Uh, and I was doing extremely well there. My dad was a big Juve fan, so it went down well with him. But after after a few months being there, I, I was I was homesick, and I really missed being home, despite being at Juve. And and I was doing really really well. Um, ended up I ended up leaving. So that was it was quite devastating for my parents because they you know they realized that. I didn't really want to pursue education. I wanted to be a footballer and I'd just given away the biggest opportunity in my life and I was doing extremely well and I, I bottled it. So, you know, that kind of upset everybody, uh, including myself. I was upset, you know, I was annoyed with myself. And then when the opportunity came with Birmingham City, uh, I thought I'm not going to blow it this time. And um, I was gung-ho to go and nothing was going to, to nothing was going to uh, let me stop it. I was a bit older at 18 bit older and um wiser mm. and that's it yeah no you know the adjustment was it was it was difficult at first because you're lonely coming from Canada I didn't know anyone uh, but as soon as the ball was thrown in the mix I think I scored in my first I literally got off the plane uh Terry uh Tony picked me up at Birmingham airport drove me I think it was Cheltenham there was a reserve game at Cheltenham for Birmingham 
And I went from literally a red eye flight straight to the pitch, um, played the match. I think I scored within seven minutes. I'd scored a bit of a mazy goal. And then about 10 minutes after that, I tore my hamstring. I thought, oh, dear. But, you know, Terry Cooper said to me, God, if this kid can score goals like that, then, you know, contract would be waiting. Let's get him fit. I stayed there. And the problem was I was there. I'd not even trained with him. I literally played 12 minutes of a reserve game. Didn't know anyone. And I wasn't training because I was getting treatment on my hamstring. And people are, it's very hard to integrate in a football club when you're not even training. So, you know, you could see them thinking, who the hell is this kid? You know, this kid sitting on the treatment table every morning. It was a bit, bit awkward. But as soon as, you know, as soon as I got fit, I played another reserve game, scored another goal, and they signed me. And then it was, you know, the world's your oyster from there on in. So it was, I settled in nicely and integrated with the boys. Do you, do you ever reflect on that time at 16 and think, it, your career could have taken a different path if you stayed at Juventus. Absolutely, sliding door moment. Yeah, it could have been different. It could have been, listen, I can't complain because I got a great family and I had a, a good career. But you know, you'd be crazy not to think. You know, you're at Juventus at the time. As Dino Zoff was the coach, they had um, they had the squad it was unbelievable. And I actually was called up a couple times to train with the first team. Actually, played in a in a because they did an eleven aside. Um, and I played with them and it was, it was incredible. Like this, the, the setup and the, it was 4,000 people with training, the training ground, you know, we talk about training grounds now that are, this training ground was out of this world. And then I turned up at Birmingham and it was, a, we trained at, uh, we trained at a park that we used to have to clear the poo up. The training kit was all odds and sods. You had to wash your own kit. You had, and I thought, what the hell, this is professional football. So it was a bit of a culture shock. And yeah, you do think sometimes, what could have been, but um, I'm one of these that tends to look forward and not really um, look back. There's no point. You can't change things. Yeah. A young lad coming to England, especially in, in that era, was it, was it difficult to, to make the adjustment? Obviously, to be the senior pros, and I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be in the room at that time. Was it, was it a hard adjustment? Did you get a bit sick? And, it was tough. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it was tough. One thing, uh, being from Canada, I think we are a little bit more self-deprecative. Um, so we, I can take a banter. I've always been fine with taking banter. And I think the key was not to really react. You know, they took the piss out of my clothes. They'd make fun of my hair, you know, Eskimo. They would always constantly rip me. And I would just laugh. I wouldn't give any back. So I thought, you know, I haven't earned, I haven't earned giving it back. And I think if you do give it back, or we had players who'd come in and, and they would stand their ground and get annoyed. And I just thought, that's just, the, that's the wrong approach. The approach is laugh at it. And then they think you're one of the boys. And that's all I ever did. I, you know, I just accepted it. And then, you know, a couple of years, you know, a couple of years, once you've settled, then you can have a few digs back. But uh, until then, it's just keep your head low and let the football do the talking and laugh. <laughs> How long do you think it, it took you to, to settle in into English football? Because you were, I think you've got a pretty record of scoring on most of your debuts. It... I think, yeah, I think I, I think I scored on pretty much all my debuts. I think the only, I'm trying to think whether it's Stoke, I didn't, I don't think it's Stoke I scored on my debut. I think everywhere else, I think I did. I was alone in Norwich, didn't score there either. Um, but everywhere else, yeah. It, I, I always settled in really easily. I, you know, like I said, I've, um, I kind of just keep your head down and you let the football do this, the talking. And um, once you've established yourself, establish yourself, it makes it a bit easier. But I was one of these fortunate players that as soon as I got into a team, um, scoring on your debut obviously gets the supporters on your side. I've never had a group of supporters boo me or think, what a waste of money. My own supporters have always been 
right by me. And like I said, scoring in the debut obviously does that on, on most occasions. One of my first memories of you was um, the, the season at Sheffield United and the, the save from David Seaman that we'll get on for a minute. But my first memory was the when you came up, took him off the bench against Forest in the playoff. Got, and I remember you scoring and that was, again, a typical... Pesky goal of amazing run once it's and, and but then running around going you're going mental if you cheer off <laughs> yeah that, that that's one of the most embarrassing probably goal celebrations I think I've ever seen or done um, but yeah it, it was we were into the second uh, second overtime already we had come from two nil down so we were two nil down at home against Forest dead and buried didn't think like we were, were that was it our our playoff hopes were gone. Uh, I think Steve Cabba scored with about 10 minutes to go. Then with a few minutes left, um, trying to think who scored. I can't I think. I can't remember. Might have been, might have been Brownie or Cabs again. I don't know. We've equalized. So we're going into extra time. First extra time, nothing's going on. Second extra time, nothing's happening. And uh, Neil Warnock says to me, Pesh, this is penalties. This got penalties written all over it. Get yourself warmed up get yourself on. And at that time I was coming on as a sub and I was an impact sub. I was towards the later years of my career. And um, I had a, I had a tendency to score off the bench many, many times. So I was just literally getting myself on thinking this is going, I'm not even going to have a touch and I'm going to have to take a penalty, which could be so crucial. So I was a bit nervous. Anyway, Patty Ketty kicks the ball up. I got my first touch and I just thought I'd go on a little bit of a mazy run because I was on my own. And, um, yeah, gone through, gone around a couple of people and just shanked it. I think I missed kicked it into ball in the corner. And it, it was that, I think probably the, um, the pleasure of not having to take a penalty, the, you know, the fact that you've come on and you've just secured your team a chance to go to the, to the Premier League in, in the Premier League in the, the, the championship final, all that the emotion of all of that, I just went crazy. It was one of those moments I don't even remember what I did. I threw my shirt off. I didn't even know how the hell I did that. I just started running around like a lunatic and um, people were chasing me and they couldn't catch me. And I'm saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It was just, I don't even, like I said, it was, it was surreal and I watch it back and I cringe, but um, it was an amazing time. It really was. Um, I think that was the third semi-final you played that year because I think you got the FA Cup semi-final at, at Old Trafford and did you get to the Worthington Cup semi-final as well that year? We did, yeah. We lost to Liverpool. Lost to Liverpool um, in the Worthington Cup and we obviously lost to um, to uh, Arsenal in, in the um, leg, second leg of the... Not the second leg, the, the um, FA Cup. The yeah. David Seaman say that everybody keeps bringing up, which was... Oh. Yeah, I've, got no. to, I've got to. I can't have you on and not and not mention yeah. it. It's probably considered. Well, it's one of the most famous saves in in football history, isn't it? I think they they touted it as being the best save of all time. Unfortunately, it had to be against me, but um, it was a surreal, again, unbelievable save from David Seaman. People questioned whether his uh, his days were numbered. He was getting on a bit, and um, I think I prolonged his career after that save. I think he went on to. <laughs> for millions, yeah, for millions. So um, he owes me, David Seaman. But it was, yeah, again, I came on off the bench to make an impact, and I could have made that impact. It could have, um, it could have been an equalizer and the momentum change of the game. But it wasn't meant to be. That big, massive ponytail and hand comes swinging across the goal and just clawed it out. Couldn't believe it. I was already up to celebrate. But um, you think you scored? 
I really did, you know, you're, you're three yards out. All, I just thought, just get, I had to pull my head away to, to generate a bit of power. And I thought, just connect. And it's going in the back of the net. And I, I managed to connect. I thought, that's it. I'm thinking my arms are up to celebrate. And um, Super David Seaman pushes the thing out. I, I had no idea how he's done it. I don't think he knows how he's done it, but what's a save. Incredible. And then coming to, coming to Derby, um, what are your memories of first coming to the club uh, in 2004, was it? That's right, yeah. Um, it, was, it was mixed feelings because I had a wonderful time at Sheffield United and loved it. But I knew that I'd spoken to Neil Warnock and he said, listen, the chance you're getting on a bit. He says, if you have an opportunity to get a three-year contract elsewhere and play more regularly, then, then by all means speak to him. And I, I, I was close friends with Michael Johnson, who was already at the club. And um, he used to say, this place is unbelievable. We, they were obviously in the, the bottom three at the time or fighting a relegation battle. But he said, if you, can, if you can get it right, the place is going places because of the facilities, the training ground, stadium, supporters, everything is right. Um, so I met with George Burley and uh, he sold the dream and uh, I was impressed by that. And again, it was a no-brainer. Um, I came along with Jeff Kenna, who was also um, a pal. He used to live locally, and our kids went to school together. So we ended up um, both coming at the same time. And um, it, it was, again, scoring on my debut, which was fantastic, getting three points. Then succeeding that with um, the game against Forrest, scoring against them. So, you know, you, you're already starting off on the right on the right foot. And, um yeah, it was amazing. Again, having the crowd behind you and 33,000 people singing your name, it was, it was pretty special there and had a wonderful time. And it's another massive moment that you're known for, the, the coffee cup goal. Obviously, you scored two against Forest that day and it was, it was quite quick into when your time at Derby. I think it was only five or six games in, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah. Um, what are your memories of that, of that coffee cup game? Because that's one of my earliest memories of a Derby Forest game. It was, was that. And even now, I watched it yesterday on YouTube doing a little bit of preparation for this it's still still surreal isn't it for that moment to happen in that game it's it's incredible yeah sometimes you think it's written in the stars and that's certainly one of those moments where you think yeah absolutely it was a blistery windy day both teams were um, towards the bottom of the table fighting a relegation battle everybody had warned me about the atmosphere and and, and what goes on in, in, a, in a in a forest uh, derby uh, derby um, and it didn't, it didn't let me down. It was incredible. It was electric. The atmosphere was amazing, but it was wind, windy and blustery. And there was, there was debris all over the pitch. And fortunately for me, um, that wind just happened to pick up a Kenko coffee cup and the pole landed on top of it. Poor old Barry Roach, I think it was. Yeah, Barry Roach. He ended up kicking the cup and leaving the ball up in the air for me to just fall in. And, um, the celebration's muted because I, you know, it was one of those moments again where you just think this hasn't really just happened, has it? And you're almost thinking, is the whistle going to go? Is it a foul? Like, oh, it was just so, so strange. So I didn't even really celebrate. Um, but now, you know, many years down the line, you look at it and you think of the importance of the goal and the, and the win too. Changed our, um, changed the whole running of that season. You know, we went on to win a couple of games and, um, kept ourselves up and I think Forrest got relegated if I'm not mistaken yeah 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 they did yeah so yeah amazing how they went in different yeah. for a few years what was because what was, this was a time when I was was really following Derby as a supporter and um, 
I always wondered what was what was George Burney like because he seemed quite quiet to us, but I could imagine he's probably not necessarily like no, George. George was kind of quiet. You know, yeah. he wasn't one of these managers that shout and holler. Um, I guess his strength would be to go, to, to to put together a group of players that kind of looked after everything on the pitch. You know, he had some good senior players. You know, there's Jeff Canna, there was Michael Johnson, Ian Taylor. Um, um, and, and amongst that, some young, talented young players, the likes of your Tom Huddlestons to, um, you know, to, to, to finish it off. And um, when you have players of seniority, it tends to take care of itself. But he was organized, you know, he, he, um, he, he, he organized the teams. He wanted us to play in the right manner. He, li- he liked um, a progressive type of football, which suited us. Uh, I loved him. I thought he was great. He was he was, he was good fun. Yeah. So you had two two playoff campaigns uh, campaigns in in three years. Two different managers. Um, obviously, Burley quite and organised. How did he compare to uh, to Billy Davis in, in that season? Yeah, B- listen, Billy is superb, and it's a shame that he's not back in the game because he has a lot to offer. He's um, he is a tactician, he's organized, he's a disciplinarian, but at the same time, he builds that bubble, which George did. You have to build that bubble where everyone on that inside that bubble is a family and gets on and works together for the same goal. And everyone outside that bubble is an enemy. Probably George is a little bit more placid about it, whereas Billy was more intense. Billy's very intense and everybody outside that bubble is an enemy. And probably that's probably um, his downfall to a certain degree certain degree because of the paranoia you know he was always worried about someone infiltrating that but it worked for us you know we were us against the world and because of that we had success and took it took it on that next level from from what George had carried do you think there's a a reason that he's he's not in football I just think that's a certain degree that people are maybe worried about having Billy Davis because of that kind of the fiery, yeah, possibly, yeah, possibly. It's a shame, though, because he does have a lot to offer and he's got a lot of experience and he's probably, you know, as you get older, you tend to mellow and you, you learn a little bit, um, you, you learn more and more about football and what it takes to achieve. So um, it is a shame. It, it, that could be it, but then, you know, football, a, a it's a tough sport. And um, sometimes once you're out and you've left it a little bit too long, you're a forgotten man. There's a lot of really good managers out there that come back. Look at Pochettino can't even get a job and look what he achieved at Spurs. So it's just one of those things. It's, it's, a, it's a dog-eat-dog world and um, you're soon forgotten. In management, you went into management locally towards it at Burton Albion. Is there, is there a manager you look back on over your career and all the clubs you played for that probably had the most effect on you or you look up to management-wise? I think they all do. I think they all do. Again, Towards the end of your career, you tend to notice it more because you're starting to think of the next steps. <clears throat> so for me, Billy Davis was, was one I looked at and thought, yeah, I like that. Um, Neil Warnock, again, his man-to-man management skills, superb. I like that. And then you also learn from those who you didn't get on with. And those of you who think, wow, he's made some big mistakes. I would never do that. He, that's a terrible mistake. That I would never do that. So you learn from all of them, good and bad. And then you formulate your own... Um, your own type of management skills that you have yourself. But yeah, you know, there's things that you look at, every one of them, they're all influential. Everything, everything in your life's influential, including, you know, your upbringing with your parents. You, you take bits and pieces of everything and then make your own judgment. Hopefully it works. Talk about Neil Warnock, because we had um, Lee Camp on 
Um, well, we did two with League Camp actually because we went on the League Camp. He spoke for that long, but um, he, he did say if you ever get Pesky on, you need to ask about Warnock and his bowling. Can you remember going bowling with him? I sure did. I sure did. He um, Neil loves a bit of money, so um, we had gone on a preseason tour, and he always, any time we had preseasons. He always wanted to um, uh, organize something that would galvanize the boys a game or, you know, we'd always be together. So he decided we were going to go, go bowling. And it was his big idea to say, why don't we all put 20 quid in? Let's put something on it so it's a bit more competitive. We all put 20 quid in. And the winner, whoever hits the bet, whoever um, gets the biggest score, takes the money. And you're thinking, you know, 24 lads, 20 quid each. It's, it's not a bad little score. So we all... You know, everybody, some lads never played, some didn't care, but we did it to appease our manager. Anyway, we were lined up, ready to go, and who bowls in, Neil with his ball under his arm in the bag, his shirt with, I think, his Warnock on the side, <laughs> his, his custom-made shoes. And we thought, hang on a minute, we've just been done over here. I think he, he bowled like 11 stripes or something like that. Like, oh, my God. Anyway, that was typical Neil, but he was brilliant. I loved Neil. He was, he was just, uh, he was brilliant to work for. I've gone on ever so well. I still speak to him to this day. and um, That's why he's been in the game so long, because he's, he's, he's excellent. He really is. Was he, was he the best gaffer? Because uh, Campy said to us that he wants to get into management one day and he's like, mm. the number one for him and the ultimate, and he looks up to him, best gaffer ever. So do you look at him in, a, in similar regard? Uh, for me, he was one of them. Yes. Again, I've, I've had some good managers, Kevin Keegan. I've had some good yeah. managers. So um, he is, he's one of the best. Yes. But I've had a, quite a few, one of the best, so to speak. Yes. Like I said, they all have different attributes. They all have their own, um, their own strengths and weaknesses. But Neil's, you know, to be in the game until you're 72, you either, you love it and you're obviously good at it. And that's, that's certainly Neil. Is management something you want to, to maybe get back into one day? It's not, I think I've been out of the game for too long. I okay. enjoyed it at the time. I really did. It was, it was great fun, um, but stressful. Um, it was tough. And you sometimes think, God, am I ba banging my head up against the wall? Um, but at the minute, it's not something I'm, I'm looking to do um, competitively. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my bit for this, for the center point um, charity. Um, I'll just, um, I'm just a, a, a a volunteer you know but I love it I love it and that's something more that I'm looking to do um, with football as opposed to competitively at the do minute think, Do you think um, things maybe could have worked out differently at Burton Albion was there anything that you maybe would have changed looking back now um, Yeah of course uh, there's always things you look back and you, and you do become a little bit stubborn as a manager you know I wanted to play a brand of football that would get me noticed um, a brand of football that you know despite having a very small budget and, and um, um, have not having a lot of resources, you think, how am I going to make a name myself? It's very difficult to, to, um, to win leagues. So I thought by paying, playing a proper brand of football that was, was uh, nice on the eye would, would be my way of um, getting known. And to a certain degree, it did. You know, the first couple of seasons, I got a lot of plaudits. <clears throat> and then, unfortunately, the third season, third season syndrome, a couple of injuries, bad run of form, couldn't get out of it. If I listened to Gary Rabbit, who was my number two, 
he did say to me, he said, Pesh, you've got, you've got to change things. You, we've got to go a little bit more direct. We've got to do this, do that. And I said, Gary, I, I appreciate your, your input. And that's what I wanted, someone to challenge me. But I wanted to stick with, with that brand of football. And ultimately, that's what got us the sack. And um, should have listened to Gary. And he's gone on to, to forge an amazing career, which I knew at the time. Because Gary was superb. You know, I knew he was always going to be a very good, uh, good manager because um, he had all of the attributes. So I'm, I'm pleased to see, to see him doing so well. I was going to say that. Could you always tell even as a number two and a coach? Because I know um, he coached at, at Derby Academy and uh, I had a little bit to do with him there. And you could, he, always, he was always um, highly regarded as a coach. Oh, he was superb. Well, that, that's where the relationship started, really, with, with, with Gary. Was When Phil Brown was the manager, I was banished to the reserve, to the under-23s 20, or whatever you call it, the youth setup yeah. back then. And I was training with Gary. And I remember thinking, this is the best training I've ever had. It yeah. was superb. I was training, you know, usually it's a punishment for me. It was, a, I was loving it. It was the best training. Um, from that day on, I, you could see Gary was, was special. Like, you know, he's a, he's a student of the game. He loves it. He's, um, he's got the right personality as well. He's not one of these that can just coach and doesn't, can't deal with personalities. But he's witty. He's got good personality. He's got good man-to-man management. You could always see that he was going to be—he was going to be excellent. And uh, like I said, he's—I he, think he's superb. And um, I know his time at Derby was cut short, but I still believe that he would have done things for Derby had they prolonged it because he—he he knows what he's doing. He's a good manager, very good manager. Yeah, I think unfortunately there's a there's two or three that maybe if they got a little bit more time in recent years, maybe could have done a little bit more for Derby, which is a at the minute where we, yeah, it's, it's a bit disappointing. Um, yeah. What happens to, to end up in the, in the reserves under Phil Brown? Can you, to, is, that, is that a punishment? Is that just a... Yeah, it was. I don't know. He, he just, he had a problem. It was myself, Jeff Kenna, even Stern John, I think it was. And Stern, he brought Stern in. Um, I don't know. I really don't know whether he thought we were maybe a little bit, I don't know. I really don't. We were senior players. Maybe he felt that if we were away from the squad, maybe we were negative. He felt we were negative, which is not true, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah. And he just banished us completely. The worst thing, his downfall was the team was having such a stinker and every striker he would bring in had a beast. Like poor, poor Graham. Um, yeah. Never scored, did he? Is it never he played 15, 16 yeah. games. He worked yeah. his socks off mine. Like he really did work hard, but he just could not buy a goal. So it made matters worse for him. Um, and then I was scoring and, you know, again, I was loving my training. I was playing in the reserves. I'm not one of these to moan and whinge. I just got on with it. I scored a hat trick or something in the reserves. And he put me in the team and ended up scoring in the first team. Two against, I think he put us against, uh, against Burnley, I think it was at the time. And I managed to score two and then scored another one. And then he, had, he was forced to put him back in the team. But it was a bit of a, oops. Sorry, mate. Yeah, so it was just one of those things. He just obviously had a problem with me and yeah, that's football. But yeah. I would, again, then you say things you learn from a manager. I would never do that. It's not something I, I could do. I think, <clears throat> I think you've got to be honest with players. I think players want you to be honest. They want you to sit them down and say, listen, I'm not playing you because da, 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 I don't like you or I don't like your hair or I don't. Just be honest. I really, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't, Avoid them and just banish them. I just think that's the wrong approach. Going towards your, your, your end of your, your time at Derby was obviously the Wembley final. Um, 
and you you started. I mean, not started in the in the games previously. Was that a, a surprise to you to get the to get the call up to start the? I think you both started when you'd not when you'd not played. Was that a, was it a surprise to you that when Billy came and said, "Are you starting?" It was a bigger surprise about two weeks, three weeks before that when he told me I was playing, <clears throat> and I was uh, part of me. He said, um, "We're going to go away to Aspie de la Zouche. We went to a." place to train because again he was so um, paranoid about people finding things out so we all went to Aspie de la Zouche to train and, and away from the cameras and all, all of that comes with the playoff final and he pulled me aside and said okay train today you're going to go down with a with a, a torn hamstring I said I'm what he says you're gonna I want you to go down and pull your hamstring I, I just thought fair enough he says because I don't want anyone to know I want you're going to sit out for the week and not train, but you're going to play in the playoff final. I was like, I thought I, I was, I was delighted because I wanted to play. I thought this is fantastic. Um, but he said, you can't tell the physio. You can't tell, I don't want to tell anybody, nobody at all. I'm, you know, I travel with Jeff Kenna every morning. Actually was Jeff gone by then? No, Jeff was gone by then. It was moral, I think. So I can't tell anyone. So, and I'm thinking, is he double bluffing me? Because I was kind of coming on as a sub. I thought, he knew I was crowd favorite. I thought maybe, maybe he's saying, if you're injured, then I don't get picked in the squad. So I just, I, I would thought, is he playing the trick on me? I should have known that because he, he wasn't like that. But you do start to question yourself thinking, I'm going to pretend I'm injured. The game's going to come. I'm going to be sitting in the stands. And he's told me I'm going to play with you. So I, I was, I was panicking a bit. And I think I mentioned something to Ned, David Kelly, the assistant, yeah. who was also a friend of mine. And he went, don't be so stupid. You're playing. Just do it and shut up. So I, I, I did. I did. So, yeah, on the day, I was delighted to, to have started in that game. It was, it was brilliant. Absolutely amazing scenes afterwards. And um, it was great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And you, quite early on, you had another moment that springs into mind when, when your name was mentioned to me as a Derby fan. You, you had a chance quite early in that game, didn't you? When it, it kind of I felt... Yeah, I blew it. Yeah. I'm, I'm... Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that really upset me, actually, because I'm, you know, in fairness, my goals per chance ratio is pretty good. And that was a sitter. You know, Stevie Howard played me through as one-on-one with the keeper. And for some reason, I just didn't catch it. I, 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 I just shanked it. Um, and, you know, to be at Wembley to score the winning goal, actually it was Cardiff. No, it was Wembley, yeah. Uh, to be at Wembley, score the winning goal would have been stuff that dreams are made of, you know. And that could have changed things. Another one of those sliding door moment but it wasn't meant to be and um you know we came under a lot of pressure perhaps had i scored that it would have changed the game against our favor that's what i try to stick with uh, but yeah it still bothers me to this day but the, the winning end gets the premier league was, was superb you can't beat that feeling and the um, the emotions after the game and into the hotel afterwards it was it was superb yeah, if if you can guarantee it, it's the best way to do it, isn't it? To to go and win. Without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Overall, then your time at Derby, do you look back? Fond memories? Do you still look out for the results? All the time, all the time. All my older club, all my old clubs, I always look out for. But I had a special time at Derby and a very good um, rapport with the with the club and the fans. So um, yeah, it's one that holds in high regard. The way it ended was a bit, you know, puts a sour taste in your mouth, but. Um, but uh, no, it, it was nothing but fond memories apart from the end. Was it? Was it not your decision then? Was you? Would you 
No, no, and that's what I was disappointed with. I, I, I literally didn't even have an opportunity to speak to them. I got a letter. I was on holiday after celebrating. I'm on holiday, and I get a letter through the post from the club saying that um, thanks for your services, but we're not renewing your contract, which I thought was really, really horrible. I, I don't know how to explain it. That's just something you don't do. I was, I was very disappointed, and um, I'd spoken to Billy, and I. You know, they just said, you know, we've got to. Had they have given me the opportunity to speak to them, I would have played for free. I would have gone into that. I was already 35 years old. I would have played for nothing. So if it was a, a money issue, that would have been an excuse. It would have been an excuse. So I was disappointed that I didn't even get that opportunity to do that. And then the worst thing, I go on holiday and I turn up at the hall. We, Karen says, let's just get away. I know you're upset. We go away. I turn up around the pool. The chairman of um, Darby sitting there by the pool. <laughs> no way. I can't think of his name. Um, Coach, uh, the one who did the house. Um, Adam Pearson. Pearson. No, 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 no. The one who owned the club. What's his name? Bloody hell, I can't think of his name. Uh, Gatsby. Gatsby. Yeah. And his Gatsby. name was on the on the piece of paper. Thanks for coming out. Great servant. No contract, Gatsby. And I oh, turn man. up and I was like, oh my god, just spoiled my holiday. <laughs> I wanted to punch him. Is that something to grab his bed and throw him into the pool? But anyway, never mind. Do you hold that against Billy, or is it? Do you think it's well? Uh, no, I don't. I don't like you said. I don't hold grudges. I don't really look back. But I was disappointed. He could yeah. have just. He could have said, "Pesh, listen, just be honest and just say, listen, I'm not going to renew your contract for such and such reasons. Even give me the opportunity to say I'll play for free." Yeah, but it didn't happen. No. Well, thank you, mate. Thank you so much for doing it, and I uh, okay. apologise for pestering you because I've been a bit. That's of, okay. No, 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 no <laughs> um, what, just finally, what's what's next then? Are you you got anything planned? You got any goals football wise? You... Football wise? No, no, not really. I just uh, enjoy life. Yeah, enjoy life. Family, enjoy life. If I can give a little bit back, like I have been with this um, Centre Point um, charity, then by all means, that that uh, that ticks the boxes as well. Oh, good. Well, thank you, mate. Good luck for good luck for everything. You. You. Good luck to the family and, and West Ham and everything. And, and really, and thank you for joining us. It means the world. No worries. Thanks, mate. Nice chat. Cheers. Take care. Bye. -bye.